our tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for your goodness and for your mercy, for your grace that sustains us, for your discipline that corrects us, for your patience that bears with us, and for your love that has saved us. Lord, help us to truly love you, delighting to do your will. Receive and bless these gifts for your holy work and bless those who offer them to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand as we sing together. Fail not as thou hast been 
together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we do thank you and we praise you for the opportunity which you've given to us to gather together, uh, to hear from you, to hear your word. Thank you for the words that have already been read and confessed and sung today. Uh, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that, that in these uh, we have life uh, because in them we have you and in you we have the bread of life. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning, once again, as the bread of life, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would understand that, that everything else uh, in this life that is, that is set before us, that is not of you, Lord, it, or, or, or it is just a, a thing of this world, Lord, that, it is, that it's perishing, and that you are eternal. And that you have promised to us eternal life. You've promised to us resurrection. You've given to us the assurance that we are forgiven and loved. So teach us today through your word. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like to, first of all, thank those of you who came, uh, those of you who were, were able to help at the National Night Out on Tuesday. 
what an awesome time, what an awesome opportunity it was for us uh, to meet uh, so many of our neighborhoods from uh, so many of our neighbors from our neighborhood uh, to have these people just come to sit to have a meal and then to enjoy a meal just a hot dog it was simple and uh, a potluck uh, dinner and then to have uh, representatives from the city of Linwood come we had the deputy chief here we had a council uh, woman who came here and it was just uh, terrific to, to have them join us too so I want to thank each and every one of you who invested in that time to make it uh, a success. Uh, it is so important for us to begin to connect with our neighbors and that was an opportunity for us to begin to build a bridge between our congregation and the neighborhood in which we um, in which we're located and it just filled my heart with joy uh, to see each and every one of you come and then to see the neighbors and not really knowing what to expect uh, to see the neighbors show up and to sit down and enjoy that time too. So I want to thank you for that. It was a huge encouragement for me and I know it was a huge encouragement uh, for many of you who were here also. Christ has called our congregation into mission, and that mission is to reach our community. And these are the beginnings, um, once again, of that uh, within our congregation. Well, today we go to John chapter 6 once again. We've, we've been uh, in Mark, and now uh, the lectionaries have taken us to the sixth chapter of St. John. Following uh, these accounts, uh, first of all, we had uh, several weeks ago, we, we, we uh, read the account of Jesus feeding the multitudes. Jesus fed uh, over 5,000 people with, really, with a one boy's lunch, uh, with a few loaves and a few fish. He fed uh, the multitudes, and the crowds were following Jesus uh, because they really wanted to make Jesus a king. They wanted to make him a king. It says in the Gospel of John that they wanted to make him king by force. So Jesus then, he, he leaves, he departs, uh, the disciples depart, and then they show up, and there the, 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 the multitudes are again following after Jesus. And here in John's gospel, we have recorded what Jesus had to say to these people. What did Jesus have to say to those who were following him, to those who were seeking after him? So we have this today in our gospel lesson from St. John's Gospel, the 6th chapter, beginning with the 35th verse. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him, should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. How did the Jews re respond? So the Jews did what? The Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that everyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
So here we have Jesus setting himself up as the bread of life, the source of immortality, the source of life everlasting. The longing for immortality. People have longed for eternity, for immortality, uh, I believe, for as long as we have uh, lived here uh, under the curse of the fall. And that's because God originally created us as eternal beings, right? So exists within us is this, is this longing for eternity. We are eternal beings that long for eternity. Remember the Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade? You remember the quest that Indiana Jones was on? Indiana Jones was on a quest for the Holy Grail. And it was believed that if, that if uh, he was able to drink from the Holy Grail, he would have eternal life. And it's kind of a goofy movie. He goes through these, uh, through these different uh, trials or these different booby traps, and he outwits the booby traps. And he finally makes it in, and he finds this Knight Templar who had been guarding the Holy Grail for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And supposedly that knight had lived because he drank from the Holy Grail. Uh, you re might remember learning about the fabled, fabled uh, fountain of youth, Ponce de Leon. Went to go seek that fabled fountain of youth, thinking that if he could drink from that, he would live forever. But actually, historians believe that he really wasn't on a quest for the fountain of youth, but for, for gold instead. Now people are trying to beat age with cosmetics. How many advertisements have you seen on TV that promise you um, a longer life or to look younger or to kind of extend your youth? Uh, it, is a, it is a multi-billion dollar industry trying to beat aging. And uh, nobody's been able to beat it yet. So if you're wondering if maybe a pill will come down the line, uh, most likely there will be no pill that comes down the line that will help you to beat age. Why do we have this longing for immortality? I believe that the scriptures give us the answer. When we understand life from a biblical worldview, we come to understand, we come to understand that God has set eternity into people's hearts. God has set, according to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3.11, that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. So there is this longing for eternal life. There is this longing to live forever. Why is it there? Why do we have this longing? Well, I believe that we have this longing because God has set eternity into the hearts of mankind. I believe this is why people have been and always will be very religious. Wherever you go in this world, you will find people who adhere to some form of spirituality or religion. Um, no matter where you go, you will find people devoted to something that promises, that promises them um, life everlasting. Because set within the heart of humanity is a knowledge and a desire for the eternal. It's ingrained within our being that we are to live forever. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus talks about eternity. Jesus actually points to himself as the source of eternal life. So Jesus basically says, you want eternal life, look to me. And in me you will find life everlasting. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, anyone who eats of this bread will never die. Satisfied for eternity. Jesus, the bread of life. When Jesus taught this truth, the truth that he is the bread of life, through which eternal life is given, the people didn't receive the message. Did you notice that in the gospel lesson? Did you notice that when Jesus got up and preached this sermon, the people didn't like the sermon? Um, preachers today want to preach and they want everybody to love their sermon. 
But sometimes when a preacher gets up and preaches, people aren't going to like the sermon. And the reason they're not going to like the sermon is because the preacher is proclaiming truth. And because of our sinful nature, we are a people who resist the truth. So Jesus gets up. He says, I am the bread of life. They reject Jesus himself as the bread of life, the only source of eternal life. Isn't it ironic? Humanity searching for immortality and Jesus, the source of immortality, is before them. And there he stands and and they reject him. They reject him. That's because people are offended. People are offended at the notion that Jesus himself is the only source of immortality. And by the way, if we're going to proclaim Jesus is the only source of eternal life, the only way of salvation within our community, people will not receive that message. Many are longing for it, and many um, will receive it gladly, and they will find the joy of salvation in Christ Jesus, but we also need to realize that many people will reject the truth, that eternal life is only found in him. People are offended by the exclusivity of Jesus. The exclusivity of Jesus. We live in what many call a pluralistic society. We live in a pluralistic society. In other words, we live in a society in which people prefer many ways, many paths to eternal life. In other words, we live in a society in which people say, well, you can believe whatever you want to believe. And regardless of what you believe, that for you will be your path to eternal life. But Jesus comes and Jesus says, no. He says, I am the bread of life. Eternal life is found only in me. And this grates against a society that is very pluralistic, believing that it doesn't matter what path you take. As long as you're on a path, you will gain eternal life. Another obstacle that we face is what's called works righteousness. Works righteousness. How many of you have heard that term before? Works righteousness. Another way of putting it is we need to work to earn Salvation. We need to work to earn eternal life. We want to earn our immortality. We want to earn eternal life without Jesus. We want to do it on our own. We do not want a Savior who comes and accomplishes all things for us in our place through his sacrificial death upon the cross. Every religion in the world, every religion with the exception of Christianity gives a way to earn immortality through works. So look at all the religions of the world and you will find rules and regulations and things that you have to do, hoops that you have to jump through um, in order to, to have life everlasting. Whatever that life everlasting may look like for each particular religion. And there are vastly different interpretations of what eternal life looks like for various religions. So here Christianity gives, it doesn't give a way to earn immortality through works. Jesus says he gives himself. Specifically, he gives his flesh. He gives his flesh as the bread of eternal life. Many people bristle at the notion of receiving something for nothing. Many people just, it just grates against them that they are going to receive something, especially something as magnificent as the salvation of our eternal soul for absolutely nothing. Because we live in a society and a culture that believes that we must work, we must achieve, we must earn what we have received. But here Jesus comes with a completely different message. It's given to you as gift. You do nothing to earn it. 
At the church I pastored in western New York, we would have a chicken barbecue every summer. And uh, we would send a mailing out to all of our neighbors. And we would say, come for a free chicken barbecue. I got a call from a lady. And the lady said, uh, is Father Adam there? That's what everybody calls me in New York, is Father Adam, because of the, everybody's Catholic there. And I said, well, this is Pastor Adam. And she said, uh, sorry, Pastor. Um, I saw your advertisement for a free chicken barbecue. I said, yeah, we'd love to have you come. She says, I can't come. And I said, why not? She said, because you're not charging anything for it. And I said, well, it's free. Just come and enjoy. And she says, no, I, I could never do that. I could never do that. Um, I said, well, bring a dish to pass. And then she said, okay, I think I'll come then. If she could contribute something, she wanted it. But something completely free, she refused. And what does Jesus offer? He offers everlasting life for free. It costs you nothing. You don't have to bring a hot dish to the meal. He provides everything. Absolutely everything is given to you. And people bristle at this notion because we want to work and earn what we have. Jesus is the source of immortality. Immortality or eternal life is given as a gift apart from works and comes only through the flesh and blood sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. Jesus gives everything. He spent his very lifeblood so that you can have eternal life. And everything within our fallen nature rejects this. Yet you would think that we would finally give up trying to satisfy our longing for the eternal by our achievements. You would think that we would finally come to the end of ourselves and that we would finally say that no matter how hard I work, no matter what I do, no matter how much I try to achieve in life, I cannot satisfy this, this eternal longing which God has placed within our hearts. We just keep working and we keep working and we keep working. It's never satisfied. It's because it's only satisfied through Jesus. It's only satisfied through him. He is the one who has placed eternity in your hearts. He is the one who has placed eternity there, and he is the only one who can, can satisfy your longing for the eternal. Jesus, uh, actually the Bible has another term, and Jesus does too, of trying to earn eternal life apart from it being gift by grace through faith. Through faith. Uh, the term is idolatry. Idolatry. We live in, in, a, in a society of idols. We are trying to, uh, uh, to satisfy the eternal longing with various idols in our life. And you might say, Pastor, I have no idols, I have no statues, I have no graven images, right? I, I, don't, uh, I don't have a, a, a graven image in my home and put offerings before it. You may not have a literal graven image. But each and every one of us has at least one idol in our life. There is something in your life which is competing, which is competing for the position that only Jesus should have in your life. Anything in our life that we love, serve, or obey before Jesus is an idol for us. So we have this, this, this issue within our society of, of pluralism. We have the issue of works righteousness of earning salvation. We have the issue of idolatry. All of these are loved by our sinful nature. And here Jesus says, no, no. I am the source of eternal life. I am the bread of life. And so then we have the people. We go back to John chapter 6, the people who Jesus is addressing. They had this longing. They had this longing for eternal life, right? They were, they were no different than we are today. And so here Jesus comes and he proclaims, I am the bread of life. 
If you're going to have eternal life, you only have it in me. And they reject him. They reject him. The people whom Jesus is addressing in our gospel lesson are the very people John wrote about when he penned these words. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. They wouldn't receive him. As soon as Jesus revealed to the people that he is the bread of life, they stopped following Jesus. We will see that as we look at the gospel lesson next week. They actually leave Jesus. His whole church leaves him, and he's left with just the 12. Because his teaching is so hard for them to receive. People don't want Jesus. They want everything. They want anything but Jesus. But let's not look at the world and blame the world for not trusting in Jesus. Let's look in our own hearts. Let's look inside ourselves. Let's look for the lack of trust that still lingers in our hearts. It's easy for us to sit in church, to sit here and condemn the world, right? To point our finger at everybody else, but we, we need to also look in our own hearts and see the lack of trust that exists within us. There is a lack of trust in Jesus within each and every one of us. So I ask you this question today, what keeps you from trusting in Jesus? What is keeping you today from trusting in Jesus? Take a moment and think. What is keeping you from trusting in Jesus Christ? Because within each and every one of us is this desire to, to continue to go back to those old ways rather than trusting in Jesus alone. You see, brothers and sisters, I believe that we struggle with trusting in Jesus. We all struggle. We're constantly choosing something other than Jesus for meaning and security in life. What are you substituting for Jesus? What is it that you are trusting to bring meaning and security to your life? There is a longing that God has set in your heart for eternity. But your sinful nature keeps pulling you back. Keeps pulling you away continually pulling you away from the only source of eternal life, who is Jesus Christ. Through his teaching, Jesus was turning the, the people's attention from, from temporary bread, from that bread that, that does not satisfy, to himself as the bread of life, the only source of life everlasting. So I ask you today, will you hear the word of the gospel today? Will you hear the word of the gospel today with an open heart? An open heart, ready to receive, ready to receive the bread of life today. So today, I break before you the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Our gospel lesson gives us four promises, and you can write these down. And when God makes a promise, he'll never revoke it. He keeps it. Number one, the promise of eternal life. This is obvious from our gospel lesson today. There is the promise to you today given of eternal life. Not because of your works, not because of your efforts, but Jesus himself alone gives you eternal life. John 6, uh, 47 through 51 Truly, truly, how many of you remember the old King James? What does the old King James say? Verily, verily. <laughs> In other words, he's giving a, a, this, double, this double truth, double truth statement. It's, it's absolutely true. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, when Jesus says that, we better listen and we better believe it. Actually, we better not, we, we get to believe it. That's a better way of saying it, right? We get to believe it. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. You, brothers and sisters in Christ, have eternal life today. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. And what happened to them? 
They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will what? He will live for how long? Forever. He will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Every other bread we partake of in this life for meaning, security, and salvation will not satisfy. Think of this. Not even the manna from God in the wilderness satisfied. How long did the manna last? Do you remember from your your Old Testament lessons? How long did the manna last? In the morning they would go out and they would see this this strange thing on the ground. It was like, uh, like flakes on the ground. And they would go and they would gather. And how long would it last? What would happen to it if they tried to save it for the next day? It would rot. Couldn't satisfy for eternity. Even though it was the very gift of God's provision daily for the people of Israel, it would not satisfy but for one day. And the next morning they had to go out and they had to collect again and gather again. The only day that it would keep overnight was what day? Friday, right? Friday morning, because they were not to do no work on the Sabbath. So even this amazing manna, miraculous provision, would not satisfy unto eternal life. Remember what happened to all those who who went into the wilderness? They all died in the wilderness, remember? There they perished, except for who? Caleb and Joshua. And the children that were conceived and born in the wilderness. Jesus provides himself to you today as the bread of life which imparts life everlasting. It will never perish, spoil, or fade. It is kept in heaven for you. It belongs to you. It is a guarantee. Know today that you who believe in Jesus Christ have eternal life. Number two is the promise of resurrection. Jesus... um, gives this promise, I think, three times in this gospel lesson. This promise of resurrection. So number two, number one, we have the promise of eternal life. Number two, we have the promise of resurrection. Your resurrection. Some might assume that this eternal life given by Jesus is is only spiritual, or it's purely spiritual in nature and not physical. Understand this, brothers and sisters in Christ, your salvation is not just a spiritual salvation, it is a physical salvation. Jesus not only redeems the soul, he redeems the body. Did you know that your body will be resurrected on the last day? In the same way that Christ was raised from the dead, you too will be raised from the dead. We live in a world in which there's this this concept or this notion, this this, this idea that it's, it's the only thing that matters is the spiritual, the physical. is just as important to God. And Jesus redeems the physical as well as the spiritual. So when we talk about salvation, it is total salvation. And remember what's happening in the last day. What do we get in the last day? A new heaven and what? A new earth. He's not going to do away with the physical. He redeems the physical and he actually will recreate the physical in the last day. uh, Verse 40 of our gospel lesson, John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And then what does he say? Verse 40. And I will what? I will raise him up on the last day. And Jesus, again, he, he mentions this end times resurrection three times. If Jesus emphasizes our bodily resurrection three times, we ought to pay attention to it, and we ought to find comfort in it. Who here is ready for your new resurrection body? 
Anybody here ready for that yet? I just turned 40. I don't know what's going on. But all of a sudden, I, I could see 20-20 vision without my glasses. And then I, I, I open up the, the Bible, and it's just blur. i I got to put the glasses on to read. Um, I, I walk across the parking lot today, and I have this pain in my foot. It's called plantar fasciitis. Where did this come from? What's going on? Nobody warned me. This body that you are in will be made new. A new body, an imperishable body, just like Jesus' resurrection body. Take comfort in it, believe it, know that it's true for you. The first, the great enemy of life is death. Jesus defeated death by his resurrection, and you will share in his resurrection on the last day. So the promise of eternal life, the promise of resurrection but also the promise of life now. Sometimes we forget that that this life is ours right now. We possess it today. It's not just something that we are longing for and waiting for, but it's something given to us today, right now. So number three is the promise of life now. Understand that this life that Jesus offers isn't something that we are only waiting for. It has started in you. The new creation of Christ is underway within your being right now. By his grace, Jesus is doing a work of recreation within you. What does the Bible say? Well, 2 Corinthians gives us some information. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, So we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, we know what that's all about, right? Our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. So there's this recreation happening inside of us. Jesus is making us new on the inside. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, There St. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? You know this verse. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new. Does it say will come or is coming? No, it says that the new has come. It belongs to you right now. Right now, today, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. The way Jesus talked about it is this way. You are born again. You are born again. It's a promise. The promise of life now. Number four, the promise of assurance. The promise of assurance. I pray, and it's, it's my longing for, for everybody that you would have the assurance of your salvation. To know that you are saved. You see, there aren't very many things in this life that we can be assured of. A couple of things here and there. But the believer can know with full assurance that he or she is kept secure in Jesus. Those who believe in Jesus are secure in Jesus. Know that today, the promise of assurance. Verses 37 and 39 from John 6. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, he says, I will never, I will never cast out. He'll never cast you out. You won't. You say, Pastor, I'm so sinful, I'm so inconsistent. Pastor, I I just, I I doubt too much. He'll never cast you out. Jesus came just for you. He loves you. He has grabbed a hold of you. And he will never let you go. And then he says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Listen to this, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. He has you. He will never lose you. You can know that you are secure in him. Those 
who believe, those who are trusting in Jesus, have this promise of assurance. So we have the promise of eternal life, the promise of resurrection, the promise of life now, the promise of assurance. How is this possible? What is the key to this text? What is the one sentence that Jesus speaks that ties it all together and makes it all possible? Well, it is the very last sentence of today's gospel lesson. He says, and the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. In these words, Jesus points us to the cross. He points to himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus sacrificed his flesh upon the cross. He is the Paschal or the Passover Lamb so that you can partake of him and know that all these promises, the four promises that I spoke of in this gospel lesson, are you. They are for you. Not by works, not by your goodness, not by your religious devotion. This longing for eternal life, this desire for the eternal, is satisfied in Jesus alone. Trust in him. Believe in him and grab hold of these promises. And today I want us to all bow our heads together. Let us go before the Lord in prayer with humble hearts. How many of you here today would say, Pastor, I'm not trusting in Jesus. I'm not trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in something else. I know that I am. And if I was to do that thing where we have people raise hands, I would be the first to raise my hand. I am not trusting in Jesus the way I should. Shocked that the pastor would say that? It's true. It's true. And if you look deep enough inside you, you would admit the same thing. You are not trusting in Jesus as the bread of life. How many of you would say that I'm trusting other things? I'm trying to find meaning and security in something or someone other than Jesus. Who here would say that? I want you to know that today, Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. And he loves people just like you. Jesus loves and he longs for the ones who struggle with sin Jesus loves the one who who, who struggles with doubt. You are the very person that Jesus came for. He came for you. He came for you. He came because he loves you. Know today that he died in your place. He promises you forgiveness and eternal life. If you are here today, And you are in the need of Jesus. If you need Jesus, I want you to listen. I want you to simply hear the promise. Hear the promise. This was the promise given to us at the beginning of the service. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. That is the promise of Jesus for you. And hear the declaration of forgiveness given by Jesus. Know this, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. He has had mercy upon you. He has given his only Son to die for you. And for his sake, not because of what we do, but for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives the power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. And to this we say, Amen.
Amen. Everlasting life is yours. The quest for immortality or of the Holy Grail can stop. It is given in Jesus. It has been given to you. The bread of life has been broken for you. Believe it. Trust it. Receive it. Amen. I invite you to please stand as we sing together the hymn, Take My Life, and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love, at the impulse of Thy feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. My voice and let me sing always only for my King. Always only for my King. my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a might would I withhold, not a might would The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.